HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by TechServe, New York's original and still the best Apple computer, iPod, and iPhone store and repair shop. For more information, visit TechServe.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. We talk about food. We talk about music with musical dudes. Finger on the pulse, snacky tunes.
Hello and welcome to Snacky Tunes. I'm one half your host, Aaron Bresnitz. Greg Bresnitz is out today gallivanting around New York City. That was just Baby Alpaca with Desert Highway, all caps, HWY at the end. <laughs> and uh, they will be in studio live later today. Excited to hear you boys play live. If the sound check was anything of note, it's going to be a great performance. Excited. But first up, we have Greg Morbido. I get that right? Yeah, you got it exactly right. Yeah. Where's that last name come from? It's Italian. Okay. Yeah. It sounds Japanese, though. It does. Yeah. It does. And he is... Well, tell us who you are. Yeah, and the editor of the dining blog Eater New York. So, for those who have never heard of Eater, what is Eater? Eater is uh, New York's number one source for restaurant news, gossip, and recommendations. Just New York? Oh, no. Um, it's it's all over this country. Um, is it number one with a bullet everywhere? Uh, I mean, I don't know the exact facts, but I would like to believe so. Uh, we have a national site, and then I think we have about 20-odd something other eater sites in different cities. So It's yeah. great. And well, uh, Amanda Clute, one of the uh, editors, was a previous guest on Snacky Tunes. I, rem- I remember that. You can check yeah. that episode out on our yeah. podcast archives. See how, see how I stack up. Yes. So, Greg, uh, how did you wind up at Eater? Where did you start writing? Um, I was somebody that read Eater a lot at a variety of really boring office jobs. And it's something I just really wanted. I became kind of obsessed with the restaurant news and stuff that was on there. And um, I quit my job. I got a job in a restaurant. And I actually became an intern for Eater and did that. And Where did you work? Um, in a restaurant? Yeah. I worked as the host of a restaurant called Tipsy Parson. Tipsy Parsons. It's yeah. It was what, in Chelsea. What's the, what's the vibe of Tipsy Parsons? It's actually a pretty cute little place. Um, it, it opened right around that time when I started working for Eater, so I was there I to see the whole opening. It's like a southern restaurant. Um, the women that run it are sweet as pie. Yeah. Nice bourbon yeah. pie, bourbon uh, pie. Yeah, cream pie. I think was something. <laughs> And so then how did you go, how did you wind up at this job then? We were like, I'm a waiter with a dream? Uh, I was an intern slash host with a dream. And then there was a little position that opened up. And um, I did that and I worked in restaurants for about a year and a half. And then there was another position that opened up and it kind of just followed in that same way. So Amazing. I was very lucky. Yeah. It's great. I mean, it's a very coveted role. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm very happy. I'm very happy with that. I've been working for the company for over about three years right now. So, uh, so let's talk about some of the things that you've covered. Mm-hmm. What has been your favorite story you have covered? You know, the opening Guy Fieri's restaurant was pretty fun. Yeah. Um, because it was so silly. You know, we all kind of knew, you know, I mean, he's a pretty silly guy. I actually got to meet him once and he was a really nice guy. He's one of the nicest guys I've ever met. Yeah. Everybody I've talked to is like, Guy Fieri is the nicest dude ever. And surprisingly humble. And surprisingly humble. Yeah. Um, that was pretty fun. That's a really crazy restaurant. Um, it's it's nuts. Have and you been there? Have you been inside? Yeah, I went to the opening night. Mm-hmm. And before then, we all had this joke like, oh, we're going to go. We're going to eat right. there. We're going to do all this stuff. And then once I went there and realized what it was and how expensive it was, I yeah. said I could just go to another two-star rest- or two-star restaurant and have a great meal for the same amount of money. Right. I mean, if you're paying $21 for entrees, you know, the city has a host of better options, you know, hundreds yes. of them. But, I mean, I guess it has its place. Yeah. It has, you know, it's it's mostly for tourists. I don't think they make any, any bones about it being anything other than that. No. You know? No. It's gigantic. There's 500 seats. 
Um, the place just keeps going and going, going and, and like going. there's different themed rooms. Like you're in the car room, and then you're in like the rockabilly room, and then hey man, good for him. Yeah, Honestly, whoever designed it did a really great job. I have to say that seriously, good for him. I don't know any other Food Network or Food Star who could open up a Times Square restaurant. Honestly, yeah, that's yeah. something. I mean, it's something, you know. But good, you know, go get him. <laughs> but you know, he's he's got a Pat Lafrida burger on there, and he's got some stuff. One of the things I tried was actually the Pat Lafrida burger, and you know, their meat's really good. Yeah, he maybe put too much stuff on top of it. Donkey sauce. Yeah, the donkey sauce exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, that was the problem. But what, what's the worst story you covered? What's something that you covered and you're just like, oh, I wish I hadn't written that? Oh. Because the internet never forgets. The internet never forgets. You know, I don't know. Um, sometimes we deal with some hot-headed, you know, chefs and you're writing things about them that are just true. Um, and, you know, sometimes that can be unpleasant. They might write you nasty things and say say mean things about you, but, you know. Can you share any stories, and you don't have to use names, of super scandalous things that you found out about but you couldn't write about? Oh, happens all the time, my friend. <laughs> Give us one. No names. Uh, no, well... Okay, I have a story that's similar, that's similar. And I okay. actually can tell, I actually can okay. tell the name. This is um, actually when I was still in my early days at Eater, but we'd heard that this restaurant that opened called The Lion, we'd heard that it had a super exclusive ultra VIP table. I remember the uh, above, right? Yeah. Looking down on the peons. As yes. Uh huh. And it was so exclusive that it had its own staircase that had like three parts to it winding up and it had its own bathroom up there and it was like 40 feet above the, the rest of the dining room. And you know, just, you wouldn't even, you, you know, unless you were a huge movie star, a huge politician, there'd be no chance you'd even get a peek up there, you know? So we'd heard about this and, my editor at the time, Amanda, was like, okay, we got to, you know, we got to go in. We yeah. got to check it out. So I tried to go in to grab a, a photo of this table, you know, and the guy, I mean, the maitre d' somehow spotted me and knew that I had written, was writing for Eater, which I thought was so strange. Yeah. Because I'd only been working there for six months or something right. like that. And I was like, okay, the degree of difficulty just got a lot harder now, you know, because he knows that I'm maybe trying to snoop around. Right. So I covertly at one point just kind of slipped in and walked up the stairs and went up there and lo and behold, there was a guy up there polishing silverware that was somebody I used to work with at another restaurant. Amazing. So I think he spotted me and then they knew that I was going to try and make a play for it. Yeah. But you got a photo. I remember the post. Yeah. I mean, that's about maybe the sneakiest thing. I mean, that's, 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 that's an ultra level of sneaky that doesn't really ever happen. That's a pretty level of sneaky. You know? Yeah. But for the most part, you, I would say you guys work hand in hand with chefs and publicists and things like that around the city, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're a great outlet for those types of stories and events. Well, you know, if the chef's got a story to tell or they want to open, they want to talk, you know, we want to present as much news as we possibly can direct from the source. I mean, you know, to talk about news, your Mm -hmm. coverage of Sandy Mm -hmm. and yours alone, I remember you posting about what, what was open and what was, you know, what was going on was really great work. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that was a huge team effort from everybody on the on our on our eater staff. But yeah, that was uh, that was the biggest story I think I've worked on in my whatever three and a half years of, of writing about restaurants, and it's still going on, and it's still so sad, and it's getting stranger and stranger every week. How so? 
Well, you know, I mean, it's just so unpredictable. Like, there's this restaurant Governor in Dumbo that shuttered, and that was, like, the big surprise. Because That was a big surprise because mm-hmm. it was also the one that had the most publicity and support to reopen. Right. Yes. Uh, so it seemed. I guess so it seemed. So it seemed. I mean, it's a restaurant that was... The sh- everybody really likes the people that, that operate it. They're really sweet. They're very talented. And this chef has a lot of friends in the industry and people he's worked with, and... They all kind of came together, and you know their rest. Their dining room had about five feet of flooding, so all these chefs did these benefit dinners with them, and and you know we all thought like, wow, this restaurant's really going to raise a lot of money. They're going to reopen, but as it turns out, even though they had all these kind of fundraising campaigns, they were already in debt from opening the restaurant, and the chef didn't know if he wanted to come back, and so it just kind of seemed like an un certain future so they decided to just kind of call it quits did you get a chance to eat there before it got taken out i was at the bar but i and i tried some food i did not have a full meal there though but yeah it was really good what i tried it was on my list i never made it out their other restaurants are great too you know yeah yeah so i mean good for them it's nice they have two other places and hopefully they'll kind of yeah i don't know Let's take a quick break, and we'll come mm-hmm. back, and we'll talk about some of the new uh, restaurants that are opening up, especially in our hood, McCarran Park, and some other things that are going on.
Uh, we're here with Greg from Eater, talking about all things uh, food and related in the area. What is your favorite jukebox or playlist <laughs> at know, a restaurant? Who has the best? You know, um, I'm really digging uh, whatever they play, whatever they're playing at Reynard right now. Oh yeah, and it's kind of like an everyday restaurant for me. I just love it, and anybody that knows me knows I, you know, a bit of a sycophant about it, but. It's really cool, like, you go in the morning, and they're playing, like, really great, you know, like, Graham Parsons, like, half of an album, and then switching over to, like, another, you know, country, good country record, and then, you know, you go at night, and it's, like, I don't know, bizarre 60s psych or something. I mean, it's whatever it is. They're just always playing good music, and it's not what you usually hear in, in a restaurant, you know? Yeah, I think, uh, do you think music plays a big part in the current New York restaurant scene, or do you think it's uh, getting pushed to the side? I think, um, I mean, it's certainly like a huge part of the atmosphere, yeah. you know? Like, if you go to Ken Friedman's restaurants, any yeah. of his places, they have the most eclectic and cool mix of stuff, and it's not stuff you ever hear at any other restaurants, and I really like that, but I feel like, actually, this would even be like a fun thing for Eater. Like, there's maybe like, I don't know, a hundred songs that are kind of on like a bunch of iPods all around, you know, Brooklyn, Lower Manhattan restaurants, right, right, right. you know, and they just kind of stay on there. Never and, leave. And they never leave. Yeah. Or they don't leave for several years. And uh, I don't know. It's just a bit of sameness or something. Well, you guys do that sound check. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like where it's, uh, you talk to bands about their favorite. Yeah. Food, things like that. Gabe, our, our features editor on the national site does that. And that's really fun. Generally, we're finding that musicians are also kind of like foodies. What? Yeah. I don't <laughs> know you if serious? you've heard about this. I haven't. I have not heard about that. So what you do a radio show based on that concept? Yeah, somebody <laughs> should. Maybe in, a, maybe in a restaurant. Maybe at a restaurant. Maybe yeah. at like the epicenter of cool restaurants yeah, in just, Brooklyn. Yeah, I'll just throw that out there. Yeah, who serves delicious pizza. I don't know. What, what do you think? What's your favorite restaurant playlist right now? I, well, I'm trying to think. I like Maison Premier when they play music because mm-hmm. that's really relaxing. Um, I always love. I don't know. You know, it's so funny. I'm think I'm drawing a total blank right now of, of when I actually listen to music at restaurants. Um, Polly G's and Greenpoint. Polly G's. Another, it's like your the dad's best. record collection, but he had like really good taste when he was in college. Yeah, I'm drawing. Yeah, that and also Lady J's. Oh, Sam Lady J's. Plays yeah, great country oh, music. Awesome. Um, and you know, it's so great that so many places in Brooklyn are getting such attention mm-hmm. and there's even more opening up. I know Oscar, yeah. the new version of Frege is like sitting at the top of your heat list. It's, it's moved down a few slots uh, recently, but, yeah. um, it's still up there and that place is on fire, man. Um, I, I had reservations and then the storm hit and I couldn't go. Oh, really? Good. Delicious. Yeah. Um, you know, um, Maybe they have a few things to work out still, but... <laughs> I think it's know. tough when your uh, restaurant fit into a bar that's not mm-hmm. always just dedicated to being a restaurant. It's just cool that it's a unusual concept that everybody seems to embrace. And, you know, those guy, guy can really cook, and uh, the barman really makes some interesting cocktails, and the place has a good vibe, even though it's not a restaurant all of the time. It's like half a coffee shop run by somebody else in the morning. Yeah, I don't it's, know. It's such an unusual project, but I think it's, it's 
excels because that guy's food is so good. You know? Well, I think probably one of the more unusual pot projects mm-hmm. that's going to open in the area is Torst. Oh, yes. Which I think I'm getting Torst? Yeah, I, that's Hard how out. I'm saying it. Torst. Torst. It's uh, Danish for thirst, so I also wonder if it's like Turst. Turst. <laughs> so for those who don't know what Turst is... Uh, yeah, there was this, there's a chef named Daniel Burns, and he was, uh, he cooked at the Fat Duck, and he worked, uh, at a bunch of other great European restaurants, and he became kind of the head of R&D for the Momofuku groups. They have this secret laboratory somewhere in the East Village, and he would kind of work through all these ideas that eventually landed at the restaurants, and people that know him know he's this really accomplished chef that's kind of been, kind of been in the background his entire career, well... He met up with this gypsy brewer, as they call him, because he's a brewer who has no brewery, who, I can't remember his last name. His first name, I believe, is Jeppy. But he, um, he's made all these crazy craft beers for restaurants, like Noma and the Momofuku restaurants. And his beer, he has a, a label with his brother called uh, Evil Twin, I believe. And these are these incredibly hard to find, very rare, you know, craft, craft beers. Well... They're opening a restaurant and bar in Greenpoint that they think is going to be the best beer restaurant in America. Yeah. Every, there's going to be like 20 taps and they're all going to have different temperatures and stuff. I don't know. I don't know. It's tough. I feel like uh, to make that claim before you open is, it's a big, right. it's a big claim. Oh, it's a big claim. Yeah. It's a big claim, especially in New York where there's a ton of great beer bars. Yeah. I mean, I... I met these guys, I got to check out the space, and they were very excited, and um, they sound really serious about this, you know? Yeah. So, uh, you know, maybe maybe it might not live up to its expectations, but it's unusual and exciting, I think. Um, also, there's basically going to be a 30-seat restaurant from this chef, and nobody kind of really knows what it's going to be like, because he hasn't really been the chef on his own yet, yet you know? Yeah. Um, I, I will have to say that I think... The most amazing Williamsburg piece of news is the fact that Cortan's Paula Brandt yeah. is coming to open up in the uh, uh, King and Grove Hotel restaurant, which is set empty for the better part of a year. Yeah, it used to be Pillar and Plow. And I actually don't know how they've continued to use that. I feel like I walked by one time and saw people eating I mean, continental breakfast. In they there. have... I know during the summer when I go there, mm-hmm. they you can get food from the pool, which is actually... That's cool. Not bad food, actually. It's actually yeah. way better than it than you would expect. Wow. Um, and then I've seen people in there, but yeah, but uh, you know, what what's he going to be doing over there? I think he's just going to be doing a kind of casual version of maybe what he's doing at Corton. I mean, he hasn't really given very many details. He's still going to be the main dude at Corton. He's having one of his executive chefs really run the show day to day, but. You know, if you saw that movie, A Matter of Taste, which is... Yeah, which is great. Yeah, like one of the best food documentaries ever. They show the chef, and he was riding high on this wave in the early 2000s, and then the economy tanked, and his the restaurateurs he worked with were like, okay, you can't serve this fancy food anymore. Like, we need to put a burger on the menu. And he was like, okay, well, I'll make it the best damn burger anybody's ever had. Yeah. And, like, it existed for a little bit like that, and people were like, Hey, his cooking's still great. He's just not, you know, using the fancy ingredients. Tweezers and things like yeah, that. Yeah, and then they had to just let him go. But that makes me excited to think that maybe he will be doing something more casual, and it'll probably be amazing, you know? It will be. It'll be interesting to see what the price point is. Right. I don't think you can really stretch more than maybe, let's say, 
It's 27 for an entree in this neighborhood, though. I don't that's know. even really pricey. Williamsburg. I guess All's Well is pretty expensive, and that's in, that's around the corner, and that's got the same price point. Yeah, that, I feel it's a little, maybe a little low. I, I mean, I guess like Reynard, the, some of their stuff yeah. is priced in that range. I guess so. I don't know. I mean, I think it's a hot corner. That white, yeah, that area, that is white just area, up, man, it's coming up. Yeah. So what's next for Eater? I, I had a big. I really enjoyed your uh, Whale Week. Oh, thank all the you. stories on all the super rich decadent orderings of New York. <laughs> yeah, that was really fun. It was like our most fun themed week, I think. It was really so awesome. Far. It's insane what people spend on one meal. Uh yeah, I know. And the interesting thing is we asked, we did this so we did this week that was all based on on high rollers. We actually, you know, put out open calls on the site and said, "Hey, um as we know like a lot of people that spend a lot of money, you know, read eater and and go to these fancy restaurants." We said, "Hey, would anybody like to share a a tale about like a crazy expense account dining or like a crazy dining jag, you know. And people I think were a little shy to write in, but I know that they, they're still out there. But the, the few kind of stories we heard, it was like, I don't know, it was just so fun to hear about these people going on these like five day, just like fine dining binges, you know. <laughs> it's just weird that um, part of why they order so big is to get known for that and then they never want to really talk about it outside of their circles right <laughs> like to impress people yeah <laughs> so are you doing any other uh weeks like that are you doing any other special features coming up um yeah you know we have a few you know we always have a few kind of things in the works we'll probably do another themed week maybe before the start of the summer um we have a big campaign that we just announced today it's the second year called young guns oh yeah and this is um it's it's pretty exciting because, you know, okay, so like one criticism that people say of Eater and other food blogs, we, we write about the same chefs, you know, and, and we're aware of this. But this is an opportunity to kind of name and discover some of the young talent that maybe hasn't been written about. The people that everybody will be writing about maybe in two or three years from now. So this is totally based on like a nominations process. We have some of the best chefs in the country on this, this board. Um, and they're going to review all the applications and they're going to, you know, even recommend them. So hopefully we'll get a really great crop of, of talent to just say, you know, these are people to keep an eye on. So awesome. that's kind of our, our big our big push through the, through the rest of the spring. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me in. Eater.com. What are the uh, Twitter, Nuts and Bolts, Facebooks? Uh, Eater New York. So ny.eater.com. Um Twitter handle is uh, EaterNY. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on. I was telling you a while back that I, I listen to your show all the time when I'm working on stuff at night. So that's kind of full circle. Yeah. Yes. Boy, you're going to stick around for the music though, right? Of course. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. All right. So we got a couple songs. We're going to take a, a little pause here on Snacky Tune.
Alpaca just cracked some champagne that's <laughs> bubbling all over the studio. Champagne jam. I just want to make one mention. I forgot that Eater is doing a really nice weekly roundup of the top five shows on Heritage. So if you if you overwhelmed by the amount of goodness coming out of the station, you can check that out. Yeah, well, we love what you guys do, so it's uh, we're happy to to point out the good work you guys do. Awesome. Uh-huh. Well, Baby Apaca, welcome. Hello, how are you? Bring the mics to your face. We'll talk and we'll do all that stuff. Why don't you go around the room, introduce who you are and what you do in the band. I'm Chris, and I sing and play the auto harp in the band. Yeah, and I'm Zach. I'm sorry, auto harp? Yeah. The auto harp, it's a 32-string instrument, and it's traditionally a folk instrument. Wow. And I put it on a lot of pedals that make it sound a bit more like kind of like a synth. It's kind of like very dreamy soundscapey feel and you, you didn't want to bring it in today no we don't have it today oh, okay. is that the thing the guy from the love and spoonful used to play probably yeah okay. it's a really ch- it you can it be there yeah, yeah i like to i hold it like yeah oh. the, so there's different ways that people rock it i used to play it on a keyboard stand and then i just started playing it like standing up and different like, ways to rock on my leg oh wait we got it's one last guy fun yeah i'm robert and uh the awesome well thank you Today's filling in with the gym bay. <laughs> it's a uh, it's a good looking it's a good looking uh, drum over there. So, uh, who are you guys? What do you do? What do you dream? I remember reading your about you saying that you started singing walking around as a seven year old. Yeah. Uh, so it's always been your dream. Yeah, I've always loved music and just the way I love to just kind of like see everything around me, like the world. What's what I see and ponder through music I think is really fun like I express everything I see in that way and I think it's yeah it's what I chose as a form of self-expression as an artist and I love the woods and would kind of like listen to I love Disney movies and the Wizard of Oz and musical films when I was really young and would just kind of like walk around and sing and was always kind of a dreamer and then ended up like moving to the city and meeting Zach and learning about rock and roll and my mom always was kind of a rock and roller too so like I would listen to a lot of that with her when I was young like on cassettes I can see that mashup of I feel like there's always a scene 
with a Disney princess <laughs> in the forest singing or yeah. doing something. Um, and who knew it would turn into, manifest itself into an awesome band? <laughs> yeah. I wish that you would, when you put down your influences, like if you like <laughs> Sleeping Beauty or Belle from Beauty and the Beast, you might like our band. Beauty and the Beast was my favorite. And I love Fox and the Hound, which that doesn't have music really. Fox and the Hound's a classic. But I love the story. Yeah, I like him with like a Bell Fox and the Hound hybrid. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Give it enough time, I'm sure Disney will do it. Yeah. Um, and so you guys all hooked up and you met. And what what year was this? When did you guys all meet? We met two years ago. Okay. And then and then Robert more recently. Then Robert, we just is a newer edition, probably. Yeah. Like, when did we meet you, Robert? Do you even know? So, as you've met each other, have you added instruments to the band, or did you have other people playing those instruments? Yeah, there were other people playing them before, so... Sorry, dudes, no pizza for you. Yeah, <laughs> we call them the X's, but uh, love them all. Uh, uh, well, let's hear a song. Let's, let's, let's bust out a jam. What are you going to play first? I think we're going to play a, a song called Not Strong Tonight. Okay. And... Alright, here we go, Baby Alpaca, here live on Snacky Tunes.
tonight, tonight, tonight. And the day went away, I felt just like a stray. Singing blue tunes in an alleyway. Play our song. Play Nice. Was that our song? Yeah. Playing our song together? That's our song. Oh. (laughs) Awesome. Really nice. Really nice. Perfect perfect music for a day like today. Yeah, I think our song is referring to another song on on our EP and then also on our record. It's called Run With You and it's like we've been rocking it for a while. Self-referential to the music? Yeah, it was just like something i was thinking about when because the song run with you is just like about you know is very much like about your friends and the way that we stick together and like help each other as artists and as people and just like having fun in the world and like in our lives and then just kind of when you if you lose that it can just be really lonesome and it actually like in my own personal experience losing it after I even wrote that song Run With You and then regaining like friendship again and seeing what it, how important something is and when you realize when it's gone that made me write Not Strong tonight. I think uh, gaining and losing friendships is a big part of New York that a lot of people don't always feel comfortable talking about but it's probably one of the toughest things to maintain in this city is a lot of close friendships. Um, you can have a lot of friends and a lot of people <laughs> that you know and go out and that, but the the real close friendships they take a lot of work, and the good ones can go away and come back. That's that's the other thing people don't tell you is that I think you may not see show, somebody. Uh, I think that's what that show Girls is about. Oh my actually. god, <laughs> that girl that 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 show cuts a little too close to the bone. I would say. I feel like I'm the only person that hasn't seen that. I mean, it, you know what? It's about seen it, like it. Right. I'm good with it. It's the most important yeah. show. Ever. Right. It's the most realistic show. That nut. Uh, <laughs> that in True Blood. Yeah, <laughs> that is CSI Miami. It's the uh, Brooklyn oh, vampire sex show without so much um, the vampires. It takes place on a manor in the English yeah. countryside. Um, so you guys live around here? Yeah, I live on William in Williamsburg on Bedford. Where are you guys subletting? Subletting. It's a hot spot. We're yeah, just talking spot. about. It. Are yeah. you guys eating at any of these new restaurants? Where do you guys eat when you're in town? Robling Tea Room. Eat at Robling Tea Room. That's my fave burger. It's a great burger. So good. That's it's a great a, like, restaurant. Ball, but it, yeah. It's a great restaurant in general, yeah. And I just love the burger. And I also love this, like, everyone that runs it and works there. I have you seen Bill Murray there? Good attitude. I never have. No, but my friend has. My friend Rory. Bill Murray's son works at Roving Tea Room, and he's been known to... Isn't it his restaurant? Does he own it? I think so. I don't know. I think... Uh, Bill Murray you owns maybe a lot. Know? I thought that uh, Bill Murray's son was, like, a... To sous chef there or something? I don't yeah. even know if he's still working, but the chef there, actually, Dennis Spina, who's been there for years, is, I think, a pretty talented dude. They're opening another place in Greenpoint, too, actually. Greenpoint, man. Greenpoint's on fire. Uh, yeah. Do you guys cook a lot? Do you guys cook a lot when I you're love, in the studio? I and... love cooking. Really? Yeah, I'm actually really, I would say I'm a pretty... How those nice skills? Guy. On a 1 to 10. <laughs> Zach, you should yeah. read it, since you've had a lot of my cooking. I mean, his nice skills are a 10. Ten. Up, yeah, they're really. Nice. Oh yeah, I'm a fast knifer. Yeah, it's amazing. I have slipped up with it and cut myself. 
That's a badge of honor. Yeah, exactly. Have you guys ever had to write a tour writer of like you know food you want for your dressing room? That would be cool. Usually we don't We're eat too to much before there. shows. Yeah. Got it. So I'd like to have a big writer just so we can see like the fabulous spread, but maybe we eat it after the show. Yeah. yeah. Single and double stuff Oreos, right? Both. Right. So what do you cook? What do you make? I think I love to make pizza. Really? Yeah. At home pizza is a that's a tall it's tall really order. Cool. Yeah, it's and it's so much better. I would I my pizza's been also compared to like lasagna because it's I like to put tons of stuff on it and in it and usually like to do a lot of like themed pizzas too, like Mexican pizzas because Mexican food is also one of my favorites. And you do the cheese underneath the sauce. Oh, like uh, Chicago style. Yeah, use some under, some on. Sometimes, like, yeah, a lot of a lot. I also like to make braised short ribs. Or one of my oh, favorite that's things. great. Yeah. I love Set it and forget it, right? Cook and stuff is so good. Yeah. Four hours later. It's really good. It's just, I usually find that when I'm braising, I have to have a mid-braised snack of something on hand. Because yeah, the whole house smelling. starts smelling yeah. so good. And you go, all right, I need, I'm not going to make it four to six hours. I need a slice of pizza or something. So yeah. And one of my... One of one thing that I would like advise anyone making at home pizzas is especially if you're a New Yorker is to go ahead and like go to a raised pizza or any of the pizza shops and use their dough because it takes a lot of the time and preparation like out of the cooking and they'll do a much better job than you will at home. Yeah, dough so, is the is the trick. Yeah. And you can stretch those doughs to like two at home pizzas. It's so easy to do, yeah. Yeah. Uh let's hear another song. Okay, okay. Yeah. Let's play Run With You. Yeah, let's play Run With You. Let's hear what our song is all about. Uh, Here we go. Uh, Baby Alpaca again here on Snacky Tunes. Long 
Mr. Poor and people shut their doors You open up, step out with me When the heart is on the line You never say it's gonna be fine You just sit there Very nice. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Roberto. That was a great song. That was great. Yeah, the uh, the infamous effects button that, that got tucked away from us. That's awesome. Because um, we used to play drops instead of hand claps. Um, so, what do you guys have uh, coming up? What's on What's on the docket? Hey, we have a few things going on. Right, we've actually it's been really fun lately because we're as a band like have been playing a really long time and really like honing in on our craft and like on playing together and working on all of our recordings which we have done in so many different places and it's been an amazing experience we just like finished recording 16 songs wow and like worked in a studio in LA for a long time finishing them all up and really excited with how they turned out and finally are starting to like you know kind of come out as a band and it's been really fun to finally actually Get to play be able out. to play out and like spread the music around and we're about to go to LA and go to Palm Springs in the desert and we're working on like music videos and some of the other like art and creative projects that come along with like being in a band but we should play the really show that cool. we're playing, we're playing um, on the 19th at pianos yep we're playing on the 19th at pianos so that'll be cool and we're probably gonna you know play a show in LA when we go there too and we're we're about to start releasing singles from our record, and then we're going to release an EP in April that has four of the songs from the record on it. And then we're also will like release our video around then, which is for the song Wild Child, awesome. which is one of my favorite songs. Are you guys always a three-piece? We've played with in a, many configurations. We usually... We're a four-piece, usually we have a bassist that we play with, and then we also play with strings sometimes, so that can turn us into, like, a six-piece easy or seven-piece. Piano. And a piano. But Zach plays the piano, too, so we don't have, like, an extra person for Some that. Some of the songs we wrote to do, like, either on guitar or piano, depending on... Because pianos are kind of more rare. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, sometimes... And we were, like, you know, live pianos. I mean, real pianos. And who are you playing with? At pianos? We're playing with um, a band called Teletextile. That's a good name. Yeah, <laughs> my friend Pamela is the singer in the band. And, and where I'm, did you get your name from? Um, we're called Baby Alpaca. I wrote a song when I was first like started writing music. I had a sweater that was made out of Baby Alpaca, and I also had like a little like a dog, a black Chihuahua <laughs> named Apple, who passed away. God bless her heart forever. And uh, I was just, like, holding her in the sweater one day. 
And I started writing a song. It was like, would you be my baby alpaca? I would keep you warm from the frigid weather, save you from the storm. Would you be my baby alpaca? I would keep you warm from the January cold and breezy winds. Would you be my baby alpaca? We, or I will keep you cool in the heat of summer, shave off all your wool. Will you be my baby alpaca? We could have some fun. Let's go skinny dipping out on the pond. Nice. <laughs> Very nice. And then I just, I was playing my first show. It was actually in Ohio where I'm from. And they're like, what are you going to call yourself? And I was like, I really like the name Baby Alpaca, like as a song. So I went by that, that one first day and then just kept rocking it. And then now we've become a band of Baby Alpacas. Amazing. Is there, is there a name? You know, it's like a murder of crows. Is there a name for a group of alpacas? Mm. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know. A fluff. A, a fluff. fluff. A fluff. A fluff. Yeah. <laughs> well, I want to thank you guys. And before we have you play us out, uh, what are the nuts and bolts of uh, website, SoundCloud, Twitter? Your website is babyalpaca.ca. So it's babyalpaca.ca. It's Canadian website. Canadian nice. website. It's a very clever play on WWs by my friend Tyler Love. And... You can follow us on Twitter at Baby Alpaca Love and on Instagram at Baby Alpaca. And SoundCloud. And we also have a SoundCloud. Amazing. So I want to thank my guests, Baby Alpaca, Greg, Joe, Jack, Heritage, Aaron, everybody. It's been amazing. Thank you. Uh, what are you going to play out with? Um, let's play End on a High Fun Note. This song's called On the Road. Okay, here we go. Maybe I'll pack it one last time. Live on Snacky Tunes. Maybe can you turn down that effect a little bit? Share a story.
This show is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.